Welcome back into the Mean Streets podcast. William Galloway along with Britton Johnson. Excited to talk some college football playoff rankings as Alabama made it in. It is Selection Sunday. We'll talk some Tide hoops and some Samford hoops as well. We now bring in the college basketball insider, playoff predictor extraordinaire, the man with 800 degrees, and he's still learning. He's still growing, folks. Britton Johnson, welcome into the podcast. What an introduction. Wow. Um, yep. Glad to be back. If you thought you could get rid of us this easy, uh, I'm sorry, but you can't. Uh, just like the tide. Just when you thought we were dead. Um, you know, two, three months ago, I don't think many people were buying stock in Alabama. And and yet here we are. So there was uh, never a doubt in my mind. I mean, you got Michigan at one, Washington two, Texas three, Bama four, Florida State just misses at five, Georgia at six. Right off the bat, Britain, what are your thoughts? Because I there, to me, sure, Florida State beat two SEC teams, but Florida was trash, and LSU didn't have a great year. Um, you cannot leave the SEC. Alabama beat the number one team in the country. To me, it was a no-brainer. Alabama was in the whole time after the win yesterday in the SEC championship. Yeah, I mean, for the first time, uh, and it seems like a long time, the committee did their job and pick the four best teams. Now, obviously, if you want to say who the actual four best teams are, you can include Georgia in that mix. Um, but they chose who was the best team between Florida State and Alabama. And I think they made the right choice. And uh, I'm excited to see Alabama prove the committee right in about a month. But uh, I don't, I mean, in my mind, and obviously I have crimson colored glasses on at all times, uh, I thought the national championship was played yesterday. Now we have two games to win. But I thought the two best teams played football yesterday in Atlanta. And, and uh, the winner of that game absolutely deserved a shot in the playoffs. I agree with you 100%. And here's the thing that I've been saying is they still got this wrong, right? They did what they should have in ranking the teams in the way they should have been ranked. But if they really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, Georgia is one of the best teams, best four teams in college football. You could say that Ohio State is one of the best four teams in college football. I think Ohio State would beat Washington. I think Ohio State, Texas would go down to the wire. Um, Ohio State would beat Florida State like a drum. Georgia would beat Texas. Georgia would beat Washington. I think Georgia could probably even handle Michigan. Um, that To me, there's no doubt in my mind. Georgia didn't play their best game against Alabama. Alabama played really well. Uh, Alabama also probably could have even played better and won that game, I think, by about 10 to 13 that SEC championship. Agreed. So I, I, the best four teams are not in the playoff, but I'm just thankful that Alabama is. Um, and the rest of the rankings, I think, are coming out right now or have just come out or will be out this afternoon. And by the time we record this, those are not available. Uh, but, Britton, tell me, you know, your thoughts on Georgia, Florida State. Obviously, that's going to be a great matchup in the Orange Bowl. I think – and I'll be rooting for Florida State – excuse me, rooting for Georgia to beat Florida State like a drum. Yeah, I mean, uh, here's the deal is uh, Florida State is going to likely get absolutely decimated by Georgia. And my whole stance is this. If they want to pull a UCF if they beat Georgia and claim a national championship, I don't even really care. Like, go ahead. Like, do what you need to do. Um, I mean, talking about yesterday's game, it's, I love every time Alabama and Georgia play. Because it's two teams, two staffs that are completely built to play against each other. Um, all the other games uh, are just kind of fill-ins. They're, they're built to play each other in December when the games matter. Um, and you saw it. 
I, I just love this team. I love this Alabama football team. Um, I think 2020 was such an anomaly in so many ways. Uh, and that team will always hold a really special place in my heart. But besides that team, this might be my favorite Alabama team since 2016. Uh, the way they compete, the way they've grown, the way they play together. I mean, Saban said it after the game. It's just, this is a team and you can see it and they love each other and they play for each other. And, um, at the end of the day, we dominated in the trenches. Uh, I, I thought, truthfully, it was it was Jalen's worst game in about a month and a half. Uh, and, and we still found a way to win, and he still found a way to make plays when he needed to because he is a special playmaker. Uh, I'm so glad to have him as our quarterback. Uh, I, I just love this team. I, I'm so I would have been so upset had they not gotten in just because these guys deserve a shot. Absolutely. And I, one thing I was fascinated with yesterday in Jalen's performance was, man, he was going for it. Reese was calling the deep ball. Milrow wanted all of the deep ball. And I get part of that is what Georgia gives you on defense. Um, but his run pass ability and everyone said, oh, he only throws it deep early on in the season. He can't hit. He made the plays he needed to make. And Saban talks about playing like a point guard. Obviously, Bryce Young was like Steph Curry uh, the past couple of years in Tuscaloosa. But the way that he made that play, I think it was on fourth and three, fourth and one, where he uh, it may not have even been fourth down, where he eluded the pocket, escaped the pressure and kind of pitched to bond. That was just a fantastic play um, and kind of is a small testament of the way he plays quarterback uh, like he's a point guard. So, I, you know, we, we can read and look at all of the statements and complaints from Florida State. Mike Norvell said something. Their athletic director has said something. Rightfully so. They can be frustrated. Uh, and it's it's just too bad. You know, I mean, they, they wouldn't be favored against any of the top six teams, um, maybe even top eight. And so as we look from – the playoff rankings to Alabama, Michigan, what excites you most about a Rose bowl game? Uh, because for me, it's the chance to actually play in the Rose bowl. That was, you know, not granted in 2020 that had to get moved to Dallas. Um, but uh, against a really good Michigan team, getting to prove yourself in back-to-back games versus number one, Georgia and now Michigan, uh, what fires you up for this game? I mean, first of all, it's Michigan. And with everything happening this year, us having the opportunity to be, to be the team that takes them out um, is, is super exciting. Uh, but also with Michigan's style of play, which is very smash mouth football, uh, it's very physical. Um, it's a game where I'm just excited to see our team kind of impose their will, hopefully, and, and play that physical brand of football that we know Alabama is. And um, look, at the end of the day, I think this could be the most exciting set of playoffs um since 2017 just I think you have four good teams I, I think Washington is probably the outlier of the four um but even so they they found a way to to beat Oregon twice which is I think Oregon is a good team um so who knows but it, it all might lead to uh, a rematch of the week two game for this time in Houston Texas for the national title game and uh what a great what a great game that would be that'd be so exciting Alabama has talked all season long about let all naysayers know blank. And it is shaping up in the sense that the conclusion of the Alabama football season could be the following beat Auburn on a last minute touchdown 
you know, the mill row, the mill throw, whatever you want to call it, fourth and 31. You go in, you drum, not really drum. You beat the number one team in the country in Georgia, in Atlanta, reestablish your dominance in that rivalry of Alabama versus Georgia, make the playoff the next day, have an opportunity to play another number one team, potentially beat Michigan, and then line it up for all the marbles and try and avenge your uh, Texas loss that you had back in September and prove that you're a different team, win a national championship in Houston in Texas's own backyard. That really, you can't make a better storyline than that. Obviously, a lot of things have to come to fruition, but this Alabama team and the way they've been playing and the way they've been trending uh, and having so much time to prepare now for this game and potentially a national championship, I have a lot of faith and a lot of optimism as an Alabama fan looking at what's happened and what could come in the next month. I, I don't know if I've seen a team improve the way that this team has like usually Alabama opens the season against like a good non-conference and and kind of handles business and it just kind of is that's how it is the whole year is they just kind of handle business this team started off at one level and they're playing at a completely different level right now and it's so exciting to see um, individual players whether it be Caden Proctor or Jalen Milrow improve but also just the team collectively come together and just play their best ball at the right time um i i don't know about you but just the whole thing of dynasty is dead it's been louder than ever before this year you heard it in 2015 you heard it at different points um but for this team to have the opportunity to go win a national national title um and for Saban just kind of be able to tell everyone to shove it one more time uh it'd be so special i I just love this team, and I'm so excited that they have the opportunity to to compete. I mean, at the end of the day, if they had chosen Florida State and argued the deserving angle, they probably would have had a, a an angle to go with with that. But their whole stance and entire time has been, we want the four best teams. And I don't think that there is a Florida State fan in the world that thinks that Florida State is is one of the four best teams or that Florida State is a better team than Alabama right now, as currently constructed. Um, and so at the end of the day, like, what are we talking about here? Yes, they're, they're deserving. They're undefeated. Uh, and I do feel bad for them. You know, a lot of it, the talk going in was that this would be unprecedented for them to be left out. But this whole season's been unprecedented. We never had five teams that were deserving conference champions. Um, and so to have that, it, it kind of makes an unprecedented result likely. I mean, if Alabama had been left out, that would have been unprecedented. So Either way, you're going to have an unprecedented end. And I think at the end of the day, the committee chose the better team. I told myself after COVID, I would use the word unprecedented as little as possible. Um, and I think you just made up for all the times I hadn't said unprecedented <laughs> in the last year and a half. But to to your point there, one, two things. One, Alabama is ahead of, ranked ahead of Texas in the BCS poll, right? If it were up to the BCS poll and you had to pick the top four, uh, Alabama would be number three. And I think it was Georgia at four. Is that right? Might have been FSU. Or no, it might have been Ohio, FSU. Was it Ohio State? It's staggering, remember. though, because you look at it, and I have been thinking that the way that Alabama has trended, that they could be and probably would be favored against Texas. And that Alabama team, and Saban has said, it's not the same team that lost to Texas. They didn't have their identity. Um, but to my second point, Britton, you talked about kind of falling in love with this Alabama football team this year. As the season progresses, does it remind you at all of, I think it was your junior year on the Alabama basketball team, that team that was, it was 
four and three in conference play, had a come to Jesus moment, some suspended players, and um, all of a sudden rattles off, you know, a 16 and two, 16 and two conference, um, number one uh, or number two ranked going into NCAA March Madness. Um, it, do you draw any similarities there? Because you talked about falling in love with a team that struggled early, found its identity, and really um, a passionate fan base got behind it. Yeah, I mean, there are some similarities in that I think part of the frustration at the beginning of the season for both of those teams was that people saw the talent. And they saw that there were pieces that if you put them together, if, you, if they're puzzle pieces that you put together, um, that they could turn into a special team. Um, you know, Alabama basketball hadn't had success like that in, in so long, probably in my lifetime. Uh and so for us to have been the team that was able to turn the tide and, and get hot at the right time and come together. And, and the other thing is it was really, you know, the defense anchored it. And what's funny is it's kind of similar in that this Bama team and football wise is kind of starting to become known for having a fun offense with Jalen Milrow and, and whatever else, but it's, it's still the defense that anchors it. And it's, it's the interior line play that anchors this team. Um, at least, or I'm going to say interior defensive line. Uh, obviously, that includes that uh, outside linebackers. I'm going to kind of include it in there. But just overall, that we're kind of getting back to this old standard and that we have these core identity values and we're getting back to that. And that's kind of all we had to do uh, my junior year was kind of get back to those values uh, of, you know, playing with max effort, playing um, with the idea of, continuously growing as a team this team has continuously grown um and just kind of playing for each other and so um i i don't know yeah there are a lot of similarities and hopefully we have a little different end uh but uh i'm super excited to see how this all unfolds we'll get to the back to the hardwood in a second kind of any last thoughts on football i i want to say that uh danny cannell and booger mcfarland and david pollock are all invited to my uh new year's day barbecue to watch the games if they so choose um i think they would they would make fun company to watch the the playoff games with and i, I will say I, I don't know if you watched the selection show but joey galloway ate up booger mcfarland that was wild when has joey galloway ever ridden for the tide i've, I've yeah. never seen it he was I, it always was a big 12 a, guy a always a big opposite guy um so when he started riding for the tide i was i was very happy but also just like very surprised was it um was it 2017 2018 like two is um alabama squeaking in at number four when we won the national championship and yeah. second 26 was it kirk herbstreet that year that just went off he had the same type booger react like reaction that booger had this year of i don't even rate that alabama i think made you're right playoff. but i i don't remember but even then i think everyone knew that's that's the funny thing about letting alabama in i think everybody knows like Better not let us in because we're going to make the most of it. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Yeah. Last last couple thoughts. Um, and then well, I got to get upstairs and watch Auburn lose their uh, basketball game. They're down three with 57 seconds left. <laughs> I know. Um, but let's wrap up football and then get to the hardwood. Any final thoughts on the college football playoff? Yeah. Uh, not even about the college football playoff. I just don't want to brush past this SEC championship, which is that we – we're still the program like we're, we're still the team and georgia every year is gonna have to get past us at the end of the day um i think they know it and we have to get past them there's certainly that element but 
Uh, Saban's now five and one against Kirby. The one, look, they earned their national title, but we also didn't have our top two receivers. And and uh, we get them next year uh, in Tuscaloosa. They have a chance to go six and one. So um, I, I love seeing Saban kind of retake the mantle. Um, and also David Pollock's an idiot. And uh, the queer coaching advantage and the undisciplined team that Georgia is committed more, tur- uh, I think, more turnovers. They committed more penalties. Um, and he looks really dumb. And then he said Georgia beat Georgia. So he didn't even own it. So, um, that, that yeah, really I just, dumb. I, I loved getting to Lank all day yesterday. Uh, and I'm excited to be able to do it next month, too. I love, I love Terran Arnold. I love Jalen Milrow. Uh, and I think going back to one of your points, I know we said we could talk about basketball, but that you're right. Winning the SEC championship is a significant accomplishment. Winning the 30th SEC championship, Saban has won 11 now. And you talk about taking eight of the last 12, too. Eight of the last 12, which is ridiculous and awesome. But you talk about Saban. um, Oh, now I lost my train of thought. Dad gummit. Well, (laughs) oh, oh, here you go. Here you go. Saban retaking the mantle from Kirby, right? Yes, and Alabama lost to them in the national championship. But you mentioned the head-to-head record, right? And you mentioned, I think the narrative would be today, we wouldn't be talking because Alabama wouldn't have won, but the narrative that would be floating around is the dynasty's dead, Georgia's the preeminent program in college football, Kirby is up there with Saban as one of the greatest coaches of all time. And I think Josh Pate said it best that you have to sustain greatness right you have to sustain the excellence you have to keep climbing and keep building once you reach the top of the mountain and Dabo couldn't do it right he won two national championships in three years couldn't sustain hard fall off Saban is is head and shoulders above everybody in college football dominated at Alabama and it's one of those things people are like oh well of course Alabama got in you know they they pay the refs they do this they do that and it's but it's we won't appreciate fully what's going on right now in this era of Alabama dominance, you know, until 20 years when it's gone and we don't have it anymore. Um, So you just, that's one thing you got to, got to recognize. And I think we take for granted as Alabama fans. All right. Moving to the hardwood tied hoops, having a not incredible start to their season, but not bad either. Uh, The Crimson tied currently five and two coming off a very tough loss to Clemson, uh, obviously you don't identify your season off preseason, or excuse me, pre-conference play, uh, but this is where you build, and, th- and this is what you're you're moving towards. Alabama has a chance to redeem themselves tomorrow night, taking on Arkansas State and Brian Hodgson in Tuscaloosa. But Britain, a game Alabama probably should have won and could have played better, uh, losing to Clemson, falling to Ohio State in what was – uh, not a great defensive performance from the Crimson Tide, but wins over programs like Oregon, um, and you've beaten some smaller schools, and you've scored over a hundred and um, averaging, you know, well into the ninety points a game margin. What are you seeing so far this year from this Alabama basketball team? Well, let's start broad and say that offense will not be the problem for this team. Uh, but they got to figure some things out defensively, and it's just very clear that this team misses Chuck. Um, and the rim, you know, the presence at the rim, he provided the team, uh, and, and it kind of is stretching to the perimeter because you look at both of our losses and they both come when the teams have shot really well. And some of that's luck for sure. 
but a lot of it also you kind of have to pick your poison and when we don't have super strong rim protection uh you're gonna have to give up more shots and so it just kind of it's one of those things that uh they're gonna have to figure some things out and they can do it they have i do think they have the guys to do it um whether it be uh from a rim protection standpoint or just overall on defense they have length they have size they have athleticism a lot of it's just youth and inexperience as a as a collective group even with the transfers coming in um i mean you look you look at this team and uh there are no scholarship guys from my senior year which is two years ago it's pretty crazy the turnover in this program so uh you got to give it some time I, I think this is a team that'll peak in february and march uh certainly with the offensive talent that they have but i think that the thing that people miss about Alabama basketball and we've we've talked about it a lot is that the really good teams under oats it hadn't been their offense that has been the deciding factor has been the defense. And so until they're able to figure that out, they'll be very up and down. But I expect it to hopefully uh, improve in the next month or two. And that's what these non-conference games are for, right? They're for challenging yourself against really good competition, which Alabama has coming up in Purdue, Creighton, Arizona, um, and then leading into conference play. But you've got to be, as you said, sound on defense. Now, the opportunities that you have in preseason, right? And it really, the coaches would say, I it doesn't even matter. It matters in the sense when it comes to seeding on Selection Sunday and, you know, that first weekend in March after the conference tournaments. But when you're evaluating how you, where you want to get and how you want to get there, that these, these games are really trial runs. You're trying to figure out what your identity is, and then you're trying to do the best you can in conference play. Um, and you're exactly right that the defense is going to have to improve. It's going to have to be what defines this team because you can't win a championship, uh, much less games all the way down an 18-game stretch in conference play if you can't guard. Um, but the, the great opportunity is that you get to go against Purdue and Zach Eady and fantastic players um, to kind of get your wits about you. And I think that Alabama is going to find themselves, whether it be into December or middle of January, it's going to, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. I mean, and, and with the defense and, and first of all, I'm really excited about this upcoming month for this team. Um, I think a month like this, even if the results don't go the way we want, can really go a long way in building the team for March, which is what, I mean, Oaks is at a point, in his tenure at Alabama, that that's what you're building towards. You're building towards what can you do in March. Um, it's not, you know, I think he's proven that he can win a lot in January and February. And uh, we here, you know, the biggest out supporters in the world, we know he's going to get it done eventually, but it's what it's, you know, all building to. Also, uh, Auburn lost. So breaking news, Auburn lost. Hmm. Uh, Did they make the playoff? But, uh, I heard the Birmingham Bowl tickets will be coming out uh, somewhat soon. So that's exciting for them. Uh, but, uh, I mean, the, the thing with the defense is, and I talk about, you know, how the three-point shooting is kind of almost a result of not having the rim protection because you look at the ball screen coverages, and we've been playing a lot of drop or corral coverage, uh, which is kind of what you have to do when you don't trust your offside uh, or backside defense to be able to help off ball. Um, and so what that's opening up is a lot of high pick and roll plays where they're getting dribble up threes that are open um so until we can really trust that all our guys can guard and can communicate and can play good off ball defense uh which when you have a bunch of freshmen they probably can't do that coming in but they'll learn to do it 
is not something that they can't pick up and learn how to do. So uh, I know Oates said that the next week or two, uh, including this past week, are just all defense. Yeah, uh, and that's probably. And what hey, take take me into practice. You've you've been there. What does that look like when he says, "Hey, it's it's all defense." Like, was there ever a practice where you didn't touch a ball, and y'all were running around guarding? I mean, yeah. what what's the level of intensity of how he's going to execute a defensive focused program for the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's it's never gotten to the point where like you don't touch a ball. I mean, I don't think, I don't think serious programs do that. Uh, I had a couple of junior high teams that did that, but that we're not gonna we're not gonna bash on those guys today. It wasn't quite um, as serious. Not quite as serious, but I'll, I'll say this: uh, when you hear that it's all going to be defensive oriented, that as a player you just are like, "Oh, that sucks. That is going to be horrible." I mean, we would open all our preseason practices with defensive oriented practices, and, and granted, every practice to an extent is is your split. But you really heavy-handed on defense kind of early in the preseason. And those are just the worst practices. They're three hours. They, I mean, you go down to the nitty-gritty details because defense is so detail-oriented. And um, it's, so, it's so much about toughness and communication and just all these little things that are developed characteristics. So you, you know, if you're really talented, you're not just going to be a great communicator off-rip. Like, you have to learn those things. And so they uh, – I'm sure those players have not had the most fun week in the world, but it's the kind of thing that builds them towards being the team that needs to be in February and March. So uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's what matters. And, you know, Oates knows what he's doing. So that he's proven that for sure. No doubt in any, in anyone's mind about that fact. Um, so you kind of take us into the practice a little bit and you talk about the defense, you talk about, were those practices, those defensive type practices, the ones did, that Herb just thrived on? Yeah, I mean, you'd have certain guys. It, it's really just, those are the practices where you can see who are the real alpha competitors, if that makes any sense. Because you get to a point in a defensive drill or a rebounding drill where it's not like who's the more talented dude, it's just like who wants who wants to be good more. Who wants to win more? Um, and, you know, the nature of Oates' practices, the way they set up all the drills where there's a winner and a loser, they're competitive by nature. But you can, in those practices, really see, like, that. that's what forges mental and physical toughness for, for down the road. And, and certain guys thrive in those environments. Herb was definitely one of those guys. Um, you know, and so it, it, they're fun, though. It, it was kind of like, as, as hard as physically as the practice was, it was like a mental test and you, and you knew it. So um, it was always fun to compete in that setting. Zoom is telling us we're running out of time here. So we'll jump over uh, and just point out that Sanford is six and two. They're taking on the Grange and I'll head over to Lakeshore Drive as this Zoom wraps up. Uh, but Britton, any final college basketball thoughts looking around the SEC, looking around the landscape of college basketball? Uh, I want to give a shout out to Dallas Graziani at Samford, the 5'8, five, 5'7 five, and a half. Um, new transfer who came in from D2, who tipped off against Zach Eady, lost the tip, nearly won um, by the nature of the positioning. But uh, AJ State McRae got boxed out at the end. So, any any final words on the landscape of college basketball? And I'll let you, uh, you'll close us out here for this episode of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a fun year in the SEC. I think that's the main takeaway I've seen so far. Uh, I, Kentucky looks good again. Um, 
Arkansas has been up and down, but they've had a big win against Duke. I think the conference as a whole, I mean, Ole Miss has started out really strong. They're undefeated right now. South Carolina's undefeated. So um, whether or not those results will hold, I think in, in general, it's going to be a strong and competitive conference this year. So that's, as a fan, something that's, that's fun. It's, it's fun to go 17 and one, uh, but it, it's also just fun to have a really competitive year where uh, you can kind of see where you, where you fall. So I'm excited to see uh, this Alabama team grow and develop much like the football team has to where, we're looking at it in a, a month or two saying this is a completely different, completely different team. Uh, and as far as final words, Lank, that's about it. <laughs>